This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Oh! My turn is foul! post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh! Deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Albert Einstein said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, take me back to the warmth and optimism of August and September. Take me back to a time when scintillating, gung-ho attacking play blissfully cancelled out the defensive world abandon. There were red flags, sure, but it was still largely exciting and successful. However, since October, Town have lost six out of eight EFL League Two games, four League Two losses in a row now. We've lost 7-4 to non-league opposition, whilst the EFL trophy loss at Reading still aches an element of the fan base's soul. 14 goals conceded in the last three games. We're also down 1,208 home fans between the game against Newport County on October 14th and the game against Stockport County on November 11th. 1,208 fans. Oof, I'll stop there. Swindon Town 2, Stockport County 4, an extremely entertaining game, a marked improvement from some of the more recent performances, but still not good enough, with the same old annoyances that Town supporters have been discussing for weeks and weeks, wiping out many of the positives that may have come out of this game. Perhaps Einstein was onto something. Here to discuss is the venerable Abbott Dave. Hello, Dave. 
Hi, Rich. Hi, everyone. Oh, that's a very upbeat hello. Post-game, I was wondering what sort of pod this will be. Would it be a, well, it was a good game. There were, there were moments. There was a half. There were 60 minutes. Or will I be down? At the moment, I'm feeling a little bit down, Dave. Are you going gonna to help me out or are you going to join in? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm feeling very down. I'm more annoyed after yesterday than I was after the FA Cup game. Because at least the FA Cup game had the the chaos and was objectively quite funny, um, whereas yesterday was just the same mistakes and the same bleak outcome. Mm, that's interesting. I look forward to you uh, justifying that. What minute did you leave last week? Uh, last so um, last week at halftime, I said to my mate, "We'll give it till half four, and if we're two goals behind, we'll just leave because we're not making that back." And then, as soon as they got the penalty, uh, we left. <laughs> Did you see the penalty? Yeah, we saw it. We stayed for the penalty just in case. Some, uh, some, uh, there was a save that sparked a miraculous turnaround. But yeah, no, then we left, and then we won the we won the, the bit of the game. We left. We didn't see so. Uh, maybe there's maybe there's something in that. Yeah, good riddance to you both. <laughs> it's it, I think for the podcast it is long term. If if indeed this podcast is going to be long term, when I'm talking about that game in the future, it'll be the what minute did you leave in? Because so far everybody's provided a different answer, and none of it by me is I stayed to the end. So. <laughs> <laughs> had to commute though didn't we we had to commute you might as well get your money's worth no exactly it's a lot further for you to get away than, than for me well we struggle with taking the rough with the smooth don't we because before october we were unbeaten in nine games and as i argued at the time and still maintain we should have won every single one of those nine games we were third one point off first place with a game in hand and people in the quo oozed out of the county ground speakers at full time but it's been a rough couple of months hasn't it <laughs> that's that's one way of putting it yeah i think those those heady days of uh of goals galore and three points they seem a long way away right now don't they um and especially with the with the seasons turning it all feels a bit dark and bleak yeah Older shot feels like a long time ago, and it was only seven days. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot has happened since then, hasn't it? I don't miss them people in status quo, though, post-game. <laughs> I don't really... Um, what I'm, I'm assuming it's moving on up, but of course. What's the, what's the, is it rocking all over the world? Of course it is. Right. Of course it is. It just... There's only one place for both of those songs now, and that is political conference season. Those are the only times those sort of songs need to emerge. Are there no other happy, energetic songs that we can celebrate to? Mind you, after after a loss, the loss at Ginningham, they put that upbeat darts music on, and oh, that didn't that didn't land either. Well, I liked after the, I liked that when we're seven 0 down against Oldershot, and I hear, um, I hear the Dan Kemp goal in the car, and then I hear the tunes of um, of the the goal music coming on over the radio. So yeah, I think I don't, I think me and the um, whoever's in charge of the the DJ at, at the current ground are going to disagree on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we said in the pod last week, the first one was you know head scratch eye roll by the fourth. It was yeah, go on then. You might as well. You might as well. But. <laughs> This is nice and upbeat. I don't mind this. Shall we talk about Williams Cocolo? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold on, listeners. Don't worry. I mean, the news that we got shortly before the game against Stockport is that the French midfielder has signed a deal until January. The, the discussions on social media are, and still are rife with the debate relating to his acquittal of the rape charge. Some of our enthusiastic 
contributors to this podcast have been neck deep online with with a back and forth. It's been grisly and quite nasty at times, but I've made the editorial decision to keep this football related. Dave, is this cowardly? No, I don't think so. Um, it, it's above our pay grade, really, to talk about, isn't it? It's 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 a difficult one, and by the 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 nature of the crime that he was accused of is one that it's so difficult to get a conviction of and I think the stats something like 98% of reported rapes don't end up in in a guilty verdict and it's so it's hard in, in on one hand it's hard to equate not guilty with innocent when you hear stats like that but by the court by the by, by the law of the land he's a he's a free man and he deserves the right to continue to earn a linen I suppose um and people will make up their morals either side of that but at the end of the day, we're a we're a football podcast, and I know it's difficult, and you get dragged into the morality of it all. But um, yeah, I don't I don't blame you for for, for steering clear of it tonight. I feel I feel like we've already drifted far too deep into it already. <laughs> but but he is a free man. Yeah. Some fans have opinions on on one bit. Some people disagree with that. Social media, maybe maybe it was created for these sort of conversations, but it doesn't work. <laughs> That experiment has failed because it's been quite grisly reading through. In terms of his performance this weekend against Stockport, lots of favourable reviews for him. He finished second in the Man of the Match poll. Well, I say poll when I've asked for Man of the Match requests, he finished second. I can't say I agree with the levels of praise that he's been given over the last 24 hours. Some of the reviews feel more like some fans are just happy that there's an addition to the squad. That additional option for Flynn uh, is a good thing regardless. My review is that he didn't look any better to what we've already got. Those were his first minutes in 14 months. So he'll need that midweek game against Exeter for sure. He's here. Let's see Let's see what happens over the next two months. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he particularly stood out. And I don't think his performance was particularly noteworthy. I think... Part of the reaction probably benefits from who's gone before him in that position so far to date, where it has been a bit of a weakness, um, that left side. So it's a bit of a low bar to hurdle. I think he looked every inch a player who hasn't played a competitive game in over a year. Um, there was one uh, one instance in the first half where there was a short back pass and I think a, um, a more... Um, on it and a more match fit player probably gets to it before the keeper does but he just wasn't quite switched on enough and just the instances throughout the game he, I, he, he might get better with time um, if that's his if he if, if performances continue like that then it's um, he's no better than what we've had before but there's a big caveat there though he, he hasn't played professional football for a long time and there's a very realistic chance that he might might improve with minutes yeah and I think that was the main conversation within our WhatsApp group where, you know, take away the noise about Williams Cocolo. What we have here is somebody who's played, what, 25, 26 pro games. He's 23 and nine of those were in non-league. We're expecting quite a bit of him over the next two months. That's inevitable. That is the the, the discussion that's not happening, really, is that we've we've just signed. It, it's, it's, a, it's a barrel scraper. It might work, it might not, but it's... It's not. I'm not expecting much from him, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't scream of a of a sign in from from a club who's able to pluck the best of the talent that's out there and waiting to be signed. I suppose does it? 
when you compare um, the Notts County signing um, Dan Goslin in the, earlier in the week, uh, it's yeah, it's, it, it has a, it has the, the smell of a bit of a scramble about it, but we just have to see how it plays out. I suppose it doesn't. I don't think the signing tells us anything we didn't necessarily know about the nature of the, the transfer market which the club's operating in right now. Yeah, and and the sheer fact that you're playing someone who hasn't played for so long as a starter against the best team in the division just that's how much he rates Tyree Shade. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it says less about William Cocola, I think, than it does against um, about Tyree Shade. I get the logic because people will be shouting it's because Tyree Shade isn't there for Harrogate, so it makes sense to start him and give him a few games. I get that, don't worry. But yeah, if you hear some of the audio that doesn't make it onto the uh, onto the radio and so forth, you understand where I'm coming from. We we move on to the. 11, so no major surprises bar Williams Cocolo making his debut. Murphy Mahoney in goal, that back three of Godwin Malife, Brewitt and Fraser Blake Tracy, Romeo Hutton and Cocolo on the wing, Saido Khan and George McEachern in the middle, Dan Kemp in the usual place, and Charlie Ossian and Jake Young just ahead. Later, we would see Rashan Hepburn Murphy come on. For Charlie Austin on the hour mark, Tyree Shade would come on for Williams Cocolo after 74 minutes and Liam Kinsella with the same minute came on for George McEachran. No joy for Lewis Ward, Brooklyn Genesini, Harrison Minton and the returning Anton Dworzak. So it's, isn't it funny, Dave, that we made one signing and yet not a single under 18 player was on the bench? Just like that. <laughs> Yeah, it can be done. It can be done. <laughs> and they had their game postponed against Cheltenham, so they were ready. They were available. I'm sure we'll see them on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's an element of that to it. Save the legs. Yeah, yeah. All important dead rubber. Yeah, I, I said no surprises to the lineup. I get. I guess this is a good moment to talk about Saidu Khan. A lot has happened this week, so it, this new cycle has has come and gone. But it was mutually agreed for Saidu Khan to stay at Swindon instead of him linking up with the Gambia for their World Cup qualifiers. In fairness, there was a lot of uh, cynicism to this, like we're demanding a player not go on or begging a player not to go on World Cup duties. But he hasn't played a single minute for the Gambia in two previous international call-ups. He probably needs a friendly to get that debut that he craves, but his time will come. Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one without knowing more of the backstory behind it, because on the face of it, you'd think that getting an international call-up would be, especially for players who are playing at this level of, of professional football, that getting an international call-up would be one of the one of the highlights of the, their career. But if you think about it, I guess, like logistically, you, you travel if you're traveling halfway across the world, having to get used to different climates at, at short notice, just to, I guess, sit on a bench and do a couple of training sessions with a bunch of strangers. I can kind of see why that might not ultimately appeal. But then the other side of the coin is that it's hard not to be too cynical <laughs> um, that there might have been a bit of leaning on the the player or the FA from from the Swindon town um, to, to put him out of that. And if, if that is the case, I guess that's something that you risk. Um, that could, that's, that's not something that's going to put the club in a good light, I guess, when it's trying to recruit similar type of players in the future. Cause we have, we have had our fair share of um, internationals over the last few years. So there's no, like, we, we can, we can kind of get that, that kind of talent. Um, but if, if they get a reputation as being the kind of club that, pulls its players out of international friendlies, then some players won't like that. Um, and it could it could harm in the future. But 
yeah, hard to know without knowing a bit more of what's going on behind the scenes. But I suppose that's not something that either party is too incentivized to share, is it? No. Do you think Tyree Shade will spend the whole of his time at Heathrow Airport looking behind to see if Swindon jump <laughs> jump over the <laughs> jump over the security to go to stop him from boarding that flight? I get the sense that Michael Flynn will be carrying him onto the plane personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit. Let's talk about this game then. Um, it was a very entertaining game. From beginning to end, I enjoyed myself as, as a fan of football. But that doesn't necessarily equate to it being a good performance. And I think Michael Flynn probably agrees with me on that front. We'll start with the opening exchanges, which I felt were quite frantic. It felt a bit like a cup game where we were playing opposition where we knew they were better than us. And we were really going for it. Every tackle was kind of with, with like that tub thumping sort of and the and the crowd were, were enjoying it enjoying seeing town get those tackles in we probably put more tackles in the first five ten minutes than we did the whole of the older shot game it, it felt that way we had a speculative effort i think it was hutton easily saved stockport were, were looking to cause problems by getting into the six yard box but they were not having much joy but the main thing I remember from the opening exchanges was just how frantic it was. It, it was end to end, I think they call it, but it just it didn't seem very controlled from either side. I'm glad you said um, it reminds you of a cup game because I had the exact same thought where it, was, it felt like we were playing a, a cup game against a, a higher league tide. And yeah, it, there was a lot of energy in the start of that performance, but I think it, it and I don't know if this is me projecting, but it felt like a lot of nervous energy. It wasn't being particularly well directed, and even though even though the the I I think the willingness was there, Stockport was still able to fashion a few spaces um, just because of the way that we play, really, and they continued to do that throughout the game, um, particularly towards the end. They just never quite clicked for them in the in the in the final third. Um, they had a couple of chances that one where Mahoney had to make the save, and then one where they hit the par, but. I get the sense that that first twenty minutes or so, we were we were we were scrapping and we were punching up. But I get the sense that if if Stockport were on form, they'd probably have grabbed the goal in that in that spell of the game. Yeah, I, I think Town were making a game of it and they were giving it a good try. But I completely agree. I think Stockport. I think we might have got them on a on a bad day in that first half. They did get through our defence enough times for me to think probably not going to. Well, I was I was saying this is our day because Stockport haven't taken their chances so far. So when 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 we did score, I was given their winks all round because it, it felt like it was possibly on. But Stockport were good, but they it just wasn't clicking for them. I thought Carl Wooten was struggling a fair bit up top. What did you think about Stockport's performance in that half? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with exactly what you said. You can see that you can see that they're a well drilled and well organized side, but the 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 final balls and the the movement in the final third wasn't quite there for them. There are there are quite a few instances um, where they had a man on an overlap, or they had a kind of two men running off of Brewitt, and they never quite took advantage of it. Um, whereas if I suspect if they were more on form and more clicking, then they they probably make a bit of a better decision with the ball when making the pass. And it also felt like they were a bit rattled with us when we were on the counter, which feeds into a bit that feeling of the the cup underdog that we both spoke about, where, where when we would we we'd get the ball forward quite quickly, 
um, and and down the channels, and there's a there was like the, a good atmosphere about about the place, and they did look a bit like they we, we could turn them a bit, and we did at times. Um, Hutton managed to get inside and had a good shot saved, didn't he? Um, and a couple other times we broke forward, um, but they they looked like a side who I kept expecting to get better and to show their dominance. They never quite did, I don't think, in that first half. That was probably one of our best attacking performances. Nobody questions our ability to score goals. Nobody questions that when Jake Young and Dan Kemper play into the the best of their ability, we're going to score goals. We know what the problems are, but I do think that was at times our best attacking football that we've seen at the county ground and probably away from home in a, in a couple of months. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, it was it was fluid. There was good link-up play. I think um, McEachra and Khan going forwards were linking the play up well. Um, and yeah, Kemp, Kemp always looks alive wide, doesn't he? And we got he got a bit fortunate with the, with the finish and it took a deflection, which otherwise I think the keeper probably gets to it. But I think... The, co- the the commentary on the on the highlight says it was, against, it was against the run of play, but I don't necessarily think it was at that point. I think Stockport had, had their bright start and then it kind of fizzled out. It was fairly even. Absolutely, um, Tom Bruett should have scored with a header before yeah. we scored. You know, we yeah, we, no, we were we were on top yeah. at that stage. Yeah, no, I agree. From from my view in the Don Rogers stand, that Tom Bruett header was you know it was gave it his, a ready good go and over it went but watching the replay I'm like oh he's got to get that on target yeah it was a really good chance wasn't it it was free header ultimately yeah, yeah. <laughs> headed it too well you might say you might you might just but it didn't matter at that moment in time because we scored just after the half hour mark cut and throw into Khan he passes to Kemp whose long distance hit takes about well it's it's two deflections on route to goal but it makes it look so much better. No, it does. I don't. I only. I only clocked one. To be fair, so um, need to need to inspect it again. Um, but yeah, it was a good hit, wasn't it? it? It was lovely, and I imagine it must be up there with the world record knee slide. Because <laughs> <laughs> can can normal people do that sort of knee slide? If I went down to the county ground and gave that a go. Am I sliding or am I just, you know, straight away falling flat on my face? I know the answer. I know. Yeah, I know the answer as well. I think my knees are becoming disconnected from the rest of my legs if I try that. <laughs> I don't I'm, understand. I'm out for a year if I try that, but it was it's super satisfying to see. And it was 1-0. We should have scored before with Tom Pruitt. We scored with, with Dan Kemp. And then shortly after that, we almost made it 2-0 and, and Jake Young does the hard bit and he fluffs his lines with the dink and oh, I thought it was in. I thought it was in. He, yeah. He's it usually like, so reliable at that in that moment. I know he definitely did shoot, but it, it, it nearly, I think it was Godwin Malifo was coming at the back post and I don't think he was far off um, just being able to nod it in. But it was, it was such good build-up play, wasn't it? And there was such, like, every, everyone was up at that point and... I, I don't know if we score two then um, to Stockport even like, have it with him to to get back probably because we'd have carried on throwing both centre backs forward for no reason because it's the only way we know how to play. But you got to think like it, like mentally that getting a second before half time could have been could have been massive. We we got a little bit more sloppy. We were showing the the, the warning signs before half time that it wasn't over, shall we say? No, and it's. I mean, we'll come on to it in the second half, but it's just so frustrating that there's just there's only one. It's all it's all gas, no breaks, and we need a bit of breaks, and we don't need to be throwing 
Blake Tracy and Goblin Malife forward on every attack. Like, I don't understand. Ugh, it's just it's so frustrating. There's just no willingness to show any willingness to, to to manage the game and to just see see some see the half out. I mean, we saw the half out by by luck more than judgment. We didn't do anything different to try and manage that game, and we don't do anything different to try and manage games. And then we wonder why we concede so late and we throw so many points away. It's just so frustrating, and it's just, it makes me just worried for the future. I think of the. Well, that's a big statement. <laughs> the future of um, this season. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I don't think anyone around me at halftime was saying this is done and dusted. It was a pleasant surprise, I think, more than anything. And I think anyone that I would that I, that I talked to and a message knew that Stockport had more in in them, and maybe a a good halftime team talk would be enough to to see the job done before we talk about the the second half lots of comments in the listeners contributions and beyond about the officiating uh the whole game saw the officials content to keep things moving despite many many examples of grappling by both sides that our defense at times were bear hugging uh, their attackers and it wasn't given and vice versa it irked many a fan, but I wasn't too offended because it allowed the game to continue. And it, it just, there were a few moments where it's like, come on, this is this is a bit silly. That's clearly a foul. But uh, I, we didn't lose four two because of that 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 officiate that the officials doing that. Absolutely not. I'm I'm surprised there was that much um, ire towards the officials because I thought they had a. I thought they did. They had a decent game. I don't think they got anything major wrong. And I guess the if they're if they if they if they're being more lenient and inconsistent with what they're calling fouls, then I can kind of understand why people might get irate um, when what are perceived as strong fouls aren't given. But they were. Cons- I felt I felt like they were consistent throughout. And I, yeah, no, I thought I thought they had a generally good game. It was the um, it was the ref was the same guy who got knocked out last year, wasn't uh-huh. it? So, he felt a bit more lenient because of that, maybe. Just <laughs> yeah. so when no one hits the ball at him at, at, yeah. at, at distance, bless him. No, no, I agree. But the, the the real big inconsistency, the big frustration is when we go up to Harrogate next week and the referee is the complete opposite. What is a foul one week is is not a foul the next and vice versa again. And I, I didn't mind it, you know. that It was definitely not biased towards Swindon and it definitely wasn't biased towards Stockport. And I guess that's, that's, that leaves me happy at, at the end of the proverbial. Yeah. And you, you start getting into discussions then just about the state of refereeing in general, don't you? It's at the end of the day, it's a bunch of amateur, um, amateur men <laughs> trying to in, interpret an entire like thick, thick rule book in real time, surrounded by heavily passionate, um, Fans and and athletes whose livelihood then is is on the, on the hook at the end of the day. So um, it, they're set up to they're set up to fail a little bit, and it's they're going to be inconsistent because it's just the nature of the nature of the beast. I think amateurs is fine instead of amateur men. <laughs> <laughs> amateur men sounds a bit um, more defined, though. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, in the second half, Stockport came out 
much more composed and controlled the tempo of the game quite well. I'm a big fan of their holding midfielder, Ryan Crosdale, who I thought was really, really good. He didn't even get on their list of four nominees for Man of the Match, but I thought he dictated the play really, really well. He was eager going forward, got an assist. What the difference between the opening exchange in the first half and the second was just that Stockport got a stranglehold on the game and they were in control. Yeah, they they came out they came out well. Um and the goal comes the the, well, the penalty comes kind of from just a bit of that um con- continued pressure and it's a ball in between Blake Tracy and Kokolo. Um neither neither knows where the runner is. And yeah, um took me a bit by surprise, I must say, the penalty, but watching it on the highlight I think it's a it's a fair call. You could tell very few people in the stands knew, and I tell you who definitely didn't know, the Stockport fans, because their reaction to the penalty was a good 20 seconds after it was given. I'm in admiration of the Swindon fans who don't think that's a penalty. I think most people just didn't see the foul, because I, I know for a fact that I didn't. I just The ball went past Mahoney, and I just followed the ball. I didn't see what happened then, and then I saw the guy crumpled in a heap and the ref pointing to the spot. Um but yeah, when you see it back, it's a weird. It is a weird one, I suppose, because you do see a bit of that contact um, quite regularly go unpunished. But the guy's knocked the ball past the goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper's taken him out. You can't argue against that. No, no. And they convert. Will Collar converts it. Almost gets to it, doesn't he, Mahoney? So so close. It would have been easy for both us in the crowd and for the players to just deflate and watch four or five goals go in. But Swindon enjoyed a good spell immediately after that goal. And there was one where Jake Young did really well to wriggle through, like get through the byline and his acute effort was saved and Kokolo well. It's instinctive, so I'm not going harder on him for that. But his effort, which is, he doesn't really know what's happening. He just kind of goes, Whoa! and the contact with the ball is, is good, but it goes agonisingly wide, which was a shame. Yeah, it just it just hit him, didn't it? Yeah. Um, it was great work by um, Jake Young. Um, and he, to get past the defender and just keep the ball in play, I thought, <laughs> the way he was going with it. It was a great piece of self-control. Um, but it was, it was a good response all around, wasn't it? Because the... Particularly, like I say, the, the the energy that was around the place was nervous energy, it felt like. And if that pops, then um, heads can quickly drop. But I wouldn't say they necessarily did. I think we, we came out and took the fight back to Scunthorpe, as, uh, Scunthorpe? Uh, to Stockport, um, as, as emphasised by the fact we scored not too long after. It was one of our finer efforts, the crowd, in terms of yeah. noise, especially when we went 2-1 up and especially when we when it was 2-2 and 3-2. I thought, again, we're doing our bit, I think is fair to say. And we did score and it did feel unexpected and it did feel great. Saidu Khan found Jake Young and it was a very Jake Young goal where he takes that touch, he swivels and rifles his shot past Ben Hinchliffe, who doesn't really know that it's happened until it's in the back at the back in the back of the net. It, it's a lovely moment and it's so hard to enjoy Dan Kemp and Jake Young because we all know what's happening in January, let's be honest, unless there's a dramatic change of all sorts. But it was a lovely finish. They were re- they celebrated it really like a team going to the the recently subbed Charlie Austin. It, it shows that unity, and you know we can be critical 
of this team and this manager and this ownership, but that showed that the players, they, they were pumped for this. Yeah, no, they were. Um, you saw it in the celebrations for the first goal. And I think, I can't remember what point in the game it was, but Godman Malife given the windmill arms to get the, the Dom Rogers going. It was, there was definite... There was, they were definitely up for it last week, uh, this week. And I don't know if that was in response to what the last two games or just the, the sense of occasion yesterday. But um, they didn't they didn't lose yesterday because they weren't at it. Whereas they definitely lost last Saturday because they just didn't fancy it. Um, you can't blame them. You can't blame attitude. You can't blame um, attitude yesterday um, for the result. Again, though. That doesn't mean that we're just about to turn a corner either. It just means that this squad of players were keen to try and get a result, but they weren't good enough. And that became abundantly clear from pretty much from when we went 2-1 up onwards. Uh, it didn't take long for Stockport to level. Patient build-up play by the away side. Ibu Torre whips in across and well. Oh, it's a big Dan Hunt trademark sigh. Tom Brewett loses his footing at the worst possible time. And Carl Wooten, who I thought we we didn't have him like in backs of pockets. I hate that phrase. That's definitely one of my real 101 sort of hatreds. But I think we controlled him relatively well. He's a good player and he wasn't having the great day. And then we're given the gift of a free header and he scores. I'll say it again during the the, the post match with Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn offered no sympathy to Tom Brewitt, saying that you know, yes, he slipped, but he was yards or he was yards off it at that time. It, it was so frustrating because you shouldn't be that open in the box at that point in the game. You just shouldn't be. No, it's ridiculous. I, I, Flynn's right, I think. Um, yeah, Bruett slipped, but he's getting nowhere near. Um, he's getting nowhere near Wooden for the header. Um, and I think uh, Bruett had a, I think he had one of his poorer games yesterday all round. He was just off it. He was very, he was very up for it in the first ten minutes. I think a lot of the things were going his way. A lot of the, as it tends to, as he's the centre back, a lot of things were going through him. And he was, he spent a lot of that time it, sort of our side of the D, of the Don Rogers. And it was it was more sort of like that gung ho sort of like Stuart Pearce in '96 sort of I, I I want to do well I want to do this, and it's sometimes that that sort of willingness can go a bit over it can overflow to when when mistakes happen. I think yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Um, the back the, the we're just no, there's just zero defensive organisation. If you. I, Next home game, spend five minutes just watching how the back three line up and how they communicate because there's no semblance of a line whatsoever. I think I think the Blake Tracy centre back experiment has failed. I think we can write that off. Yeah, he can in a pinch, yes, but I don't think he can. Pre- I don't think he's proven he can be relied on upon there. Um, Godwin Malife as well. His made majority of his appearances in his career have been as a right back. And so Bruitt is kind of hung out to dry a lot of the time because no one know, no one knows where they're supposed to be. There's no help whatsoever in front of them, um, and they just the the whole backline just get exposed so much. Bruitt's the only one there who's trying or whose sole role seems to be to defend because half the time when we've got the ball, Blake Tracy and Godwin Malife are careering upfield, which is I get it. It's fine as an as an offensive tactic, but just be smart with it and we're not smart with it. It's just go, 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 go all the time. And we get caught out so many times and we've been caught out so many times with it this season. And sometimes it's led to goals, sometimes it hasn't. But 
it's I think it's it, it's just it creates we have so many spaces at the back for teams to pick apart and it's not a surprise when teams then pick us apart and we we're starting to leak goals like a bit of a sieve lately and there doesn't seem to be a willingness because I don't think I don't necessarily blame the players for it I think you're asking you you're judging fish on climbing trees you're asking McEachran and Khan's game isn't to sit and shield the back four the back three Blake Tracy and Gorbin Malifa I don't think are necessarily comfortable centre-backs and you're asking Brewitt to do everything on his own it's no surprise that they're going to fail the the wing-backs aren't offering any help whatsoever defensively we're, bait, we, we're set up with ostensibly three people whose job is to defend and then seven people whose job is to try and get forward and attack and two of those three defenders want to be on that seven so it's not a surprise that we are in such a rut at the minute. And as well, though that that attacking mindset has led to a lot of goals, but our um, we're, we're overachieving um, in terms of our XG. So we our XG going forward is 25 and we've scored 36. That doesn't scream that we're scoring loads of goals because we're creating loads of chances because we're throwing loads of men forward. It screams that we're scoring loads of goals because our strikers are being incredibly clinical. So at what point do you go, okay, we've got some really clinical guys up front. Let's just dial it back a bit, try and shore up the defence and hope that that, that that level of finishing up top remains the same. And so rather than trying to win games 4-3 as we have been doing let's just let's just try and eke out maybe a 2-1 let's not not even go to a 1-0 like some, something needs to change in the way that team's set up we can't continue with this three at the back zero in midfield lineup because it's a long way to january and it's going to get worse before it's going to get better if we don't Stockport almost went ahead. Isaac Alofe uh, was denied by the smothering Murphy Mahoney. Dave, it's beginning to be a little bit of re- rhetoric around Murphy Mahoney, and it's largely people who want to see Lewis Ward uh, play. Now, you're laughing, but I-, I can say if I was asked to list the problems with-, with Swindon Town at the moment, yes, he's given away penalty. Yes, he was in no man's land against Oldershot, but... I don't see much changing with Lewis Ward in goal. And also, I don't think it's worth the risk. I do not understand what people's fascination is with Lewis Ward. He looks nice in a billboard for the air ambulance and he's nice. He seems like a really nice guy to have around the place. But Murphy Mahoney is so far down on the reasons why this team is not performing well at the minute that I do not know what you get from putting Lewis Ward in there. Yeah, he does make some terrific saves in every game he plays. Murphy Mahoney. He's he's a very good goalkeeper. Lewis Ward plays on Tuesday against Exeter. I don't think he is the issue, and I do think it's more to do with the setup of those in front of him, not necessarily the individuals, like you say. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Um, Changing the goalkeeper is not going to change the fact that there's nobody defending in front of the goalkeeper. Yeah, well, it was 3-2 with just under... 20 minutes to go. And it was a fine finish by Odin Bailey, bending his effort just well, from just outside the box. Nice little finish. And although there were no clear-cut chances, I, I think this is one of the only times in the game where Stockport seemed quite edgy. And then, with seven minutes to go, you bring on Nick Powell, Callum Camps and Paddy Madden. And that, and that caused a lot of noise within the Swindon fan, retrospectively and at the time. Yeah, no, it did. And 
they're good players to be bringing off. But Stockport were ahead in this game by that point already. And I don't think that the fact it was those three players that came on meant that they then went on to make it 4-2. Um, so I don't think we can be using that as an excuse. Yeah, there's clubs out there with good players. There'll, there'll always be clubs out there with good players. It doesn't mean that we necessarily don't have to be one of them. We've made a conscious choice to not spend the money in the transfer market trying to attract players so that we can spend it on um, whatever we're spending it on. And I suppose the what, what Swindon fans are pretty much suggesting at this point is we're chasing the game at home. Stockport aren't home and dry at this point. They bring on Camps Madden and Powell. We look to our bench. We've got Brooklyn Genesini, Anton Dvorak and Harrison Minter for chasing the game. And and that's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. Um, it's, I mean, we've, we've done it to death, haven't we? The, the, the squad depth's not there. Although everything's everything's kind of starting to come home to roost a bit. The, the failings in the, in the summer window and things need to be corrected in January. Um, and... You've got to have faith in that because if not, it's going to be it's going to be a long old uh, long old run to May. I think. Indeed, it is. It was four two just before the 90, 90th minute. A very familiar goal to concede. Defenders getting sucked towards the ball. We're all over the place, and it leaves Callan Camps the simplest of tasks. Uh, Q Max Exodus. Do you think he almost fluffed his lines? Not that it matters one yeah. bit. Do you think he was going for the other? Yeah. Yeah, he shanked that. It shanked time. it, didn't he? He shanked it, but in it went, and and that was that four two. Good game, very entertaining indeed. But Dave, the question is: Does that equate to things being on the up? No, no, Ooh. it doesn't. Because we lost because of the same reasons why we've lost most of the last most of the games we've played in the last two months. Um, we're tactically naive. We don't have squad depth. We're running out of the corpse of Charlie Austin every week because we've got no one else up there to to try and do anything. Um, and then we are wondering why things aren't going different. Um, and we're heading into a transfer window where our two best players are almost in, ex- almost perfectly likely to go back to their clubs. We've got an owner who, if rumours are to be believed, is fending off. Uh, bidding wars left, right, and centre. Which, if you're trying to buy a football club, are you necessarily going to want to do that in January or not? I'm not sure. Um, and besides all that, we've got an owner who's presided over a bunch of transfer windows, each more disappointing than the last since Ben Chorley has left. So, do I have faith that we'll sign decent players in January? I'm not sure I necessarily do. Um, do I have faith that? Uh, Michael Flynn can has show will show a willingness to do something different. If you look at his record uh, at Walsall, I don't think you necessarily do. Um, and so, what we're relying on, I think, is uh, a change in form from a bunch of tired, overworked players, um, which I don't think is a is a great foundation for success necessarily. And I think more frustrating than my children having a great time in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everybody, but you know, you record in the afternoon. That's what happens. I think the January line is beginning to annoy me because they're interpreting January as January 1st, five signings in, two signings out. We need to be in a good position in January in order to get the better players that's available on loan at that time. They're not going to come to, lower mid-table, mid-table, league two sides. They're going to go to, to get glory 
in the playoffs, not like a, oh, if you join us, we might make the playoffs. If you join us, we go up. You know, that that's what's happening in the loan market. And we are, over the last couple of years, you could be argued that we've weakened in January. We're saying January because we're kicking the can down the road, aren't we? Silence the fans because January is two months away, but it's nine games. The damage can be done at that point. And then that's not, and, and we're also playing on the assumption that all of our business in January, whether it's on January 1st or January 31st, are all good. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the, I mean, is, is there anything to demonstrate over the last few months that there's the budget there to get the quality in, in January that's necessarily required? I don't think there is. Um, I think you're exactly right in the fact that it's a long month and business might not necessarily happen quickly. I think we've also got to have an eye on players wanting to have a like, go <laughs> at that point. Um, do do some of these young players necessarily want um, what could become? I mean, I'll throw out there it could be like relegation. I think is not likely, but I think it's a real. I think it's in the realistic realm of outcomes now. Whereas I wouldn't have necessarily said that a few months ago, just because of just because of what the the the, the position we find ourselves in going forward. I think there's a lot of action needs to happen um, over the next two to three months um, in 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 the playing staff a lot more action than they've shown they've had a willingness to do over the last 18 months um, since really the um, the big influx at the start of the 21 season, which was more out of necessity than anything. Um, everything since then, it's just been about managing budgets or trying to be clever, however you want to view it. Um, there's not, we've, I don't think we're in a position to have that luxury this time. You know, they've got to nail it. Um I'm not sure I've got the oodles of confidence in them being able to do so. Well, we're losing 21 goals if both Kemp and Young leave in January. And that's not including the ones that they might score between now and December. That is historically season ending. That's using examples of prolific goal scorers that we've lost over the years. If we don't replace them adequately... It does become tricky, and I, I must admit, I've, I've downgraded my sort of like absolutely no chance will go down to, well, we might be down there. I, I just don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't want to think bad. about it because, like again, the, the more optimistic fan will just say we're, we're just a few points off the off the playoffs. But when you have the last two months that we've had, very hard to look up, isn't it? Yeah, we need we need. 0.75 points per game to get to 45 points, which is about what you need to stay up in this division. Since the end of September, the last seven games, we've averaged 0.5. Mm. And it's been, a, it's been a tough run, I don't doubt that. Um, and we've played some good teams at the, at the top of the table. But we've also played Aldershot and lost 7-4. And we've lost Colchester, who were nothing, um, and got beaten quite handily by the, at the end of the day. So... I don't know. <laughs> Something needs to change, and it, it hope is uh, absolutely hoping it will. Um, I, something needs to change. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did a very very quick skim through our fourth tier history, and four losses in a row is our joint second worst run of of straight losses. We haven't done worse than that since 1983, when when John Trollope lost his job as a result of uh, a, a run that poor. So if we lost at Harrogate next week, it will become our joint worst uh, run 
in the in the bottom tier, I'm, I'm confident we'll, we'll at least draw at Harrogate. We simply have to. Michael Flynn post game said all the things that you'd expect him to say. We are too easy to score against. Our defending is appalling at times. We played some good football on the front foot, but we let the runners go, let them turn at the edge of the box. Free headers in the box. Bruett slipped, but was nowhere near to start with. It's just too easy. Stockport were professional and committed. We've had a hand in all their goals. It's not about fitness. It's about desire. They need to have a hard look at themselves in the mirror. And he can't wait to get to January as I need players who can do it. And I need to get some players out too. So pretty damning stuff. I hope his motivation in training is great. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of introspection there either. I don't I don't know what he's expecting the kind of players that he's bringing in to be able to do unless he's looking to bring in players who I hate this is going to sound like a really lazy and I'm not saying to bring in this exact player but someone if if you get someone who can do what Anthony Grant did in 2019 I think that helps that style of play immeasurably someone who's just going to sit there in front of the back four not necessarily have a urgency to go forward with it and just help screen the play a little bit that will help immeasurably or you need to do something tactically to to shift the way up and to set the team up to be a bit more hard to break down. Um, I don't take away from his comments that there's much willingness to do that. It, I get the sense that it's more of, I've got the right idea. This is how we need to play. You're just not doing it right. And I think that's being unfair to the players. I think they they look like they're being set up to fail at the minute. Um, so a bit of introspection from from Michael Flynn there wouldn't necessarily have gone amiss, I don't think. Anthony Grant hasn't played since the cameo at Swindon for Crawley in August. Is it time to bring him home? Wow, he's, now I know that, I think. <laughs> he can't do worse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the band back together. Let's get the band back together. Lloyd Isgrove went to uh, the... Uh, the regional leagues of Australia, despite being linked with a return over the summer, didn't he? Maybe it's time. He could have gone, if he'd have signed here, he could have gone back to the regional Australian leagues anyway, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he could have been doing the, uh, the, the, the international soccer schools, couldn't he? Anyway. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlet Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with McDelivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+. plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody, summer is here and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it, okay? So don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the Chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. 
To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Swindon attacking, they're in a good position. They found Kemp just outside the box. They shot, take the wicked deflection, and Swindon are ahead through Dan Kemp. It took an awful turn as far as the Stockport goalkeeper was concerned, but Kemp tried. He thought he'd take the shot. A few listeners' contributions before we go. Big thanks to those who sent stuff in, starting with Doug Copestake saying 80% of the squad just look exhausted. We clearly can't maintain the pace needed to play like this without having the depth to rotate in sub-quality players. So frustrating as we look decent first half, but yet again, the triple sub killed us. Man of the match, Kemp. Who else? Paul Temple says... Plenty of effort, but outran, out-tackled, out-muscled, and eventually run over. Positive was the fact that we were able to match them for 60 minutes. Unfortunately, with this level of physicality and woeful defending from the hollow centre, we are going nowhere. Let's give man of the match to Williams Kokolo. Tucker Jenkins says, went toe-to-toe for an hour, but once again, a lack of physicality in midfield and kamikaze defending shone through. Getting frustrated with George McEachran and Saidu Khan not reading the room. If the ref is letting most challenges go, then stop diving on the floor. Man of the match, Kemp. Kokolo, a decent ad. Bernie Man says, rinse and repeat on recent games, albeit against better opposition. Kemp and Young, man of the match, standouts up front. Mahoney kept the score lower. Our defensive shape and plan is killing us, which sits with Flynn and Hatswell. But ultimately, we ran out of energy after an hour, which is on Clem. Martin Crook says fan attendance is dwindling and not surprised, but atmosphere was really good. Felt a draw was deserved, but recognised County are top and I can see why. Ref was poor. Definitely a penalty, though. Same old story. We are light on quality and depth. Enjoyed it, I think. Craig says, we simply cannot defend. Not sure if it's the player's system or fatigue, but we're such a soft touch. Relegation form is concerning, even more so considering the aim was promotion. Kemp, man of the match. Bennett Carew says stubborn manager sticks to a formation and, if charitable, style. Centre-backs don't look confident or able to mark. Midfield sit too deep on top of them. Strikers dropping too deep with or without the ball. Something needs to change. Man in the match, don't care. Leifa says came down to one thing. Lack of confidence would have hammered them early in the season, in my opinion. Dylan says, drop points from a winning position seven different times this season. Why can't we just shut up shop and keep it compact and try to see the game out? Andy says, I'm going to choose to take the positive. Much improved performances across the pitch. Good debut from Kokolo. Young scoring again, despite the four goals and overall more concentrated defence from the whole team. Regrettably let down by Mahoney despite some good saves. He's good, but has made some costly mistakes recently. They were clinical, but we looked pretty dangerous for the first time in a while. And overall, play would be enough to put away most in this division. Fought to the very last second, which should be applauded. We go again. Kemp, man of the match. STFC F finishes off with the season will be dead and buried well before the January window. May even be a relegation fight. 
We've not beaten one team above us. We are miles from challenging, and it's the lowest Swindon crowd in years. It's worrying, yet inevitable, with how poor it's been and the lack of hope of much improvement. Right then, so in a nutshell, Dave, are we fatigued? We were good for the first hour. Uh, Stockport were just better. We cannot defend. Murphy Mahoney's becoming a bit of a Marmite character. Plenty of, as I said earlier, plenty of people wanting Lewis Ward between the sticks now. A little bit of Saidu Khan criticism. A little bit of George McEachran criticism. And a lot of a lot of criticism for the defence. And they, nobody ever really calls out an individual of that back three. It's always the defence. So everyone is to blame. Thoughts on any of that? Uh, I mean, it's, I guess we've covered it. It's hard to blame any one player in the defence because I think they're they're all being hung out to dry a little bit and I think they're all being asked to do things that they're not necessarily comfortable with. Um, I find it a bit strange, the the stonk on that people have for Lewis Ward, but ugh, if there's people, there's always a, a scapegoat and an anti-scapegoat, um, I suppose. So if that's, if that's the case, then so be it. Um, I think Michael Flynn's getting a bit of a light ride. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's, and a year extension. I saw a stat. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible anecdote because I can't remember the exact numbers. But it was something about his. He's had 21 games in charge here, and if you take those 21 and his last 21 at Walsall, um, let's just say it is not a pretty picture um, of of win rate percentage. Um, and I, I, like I said, yeah, I just, I just worry that has he got it in him to to do something different and turn it around. Michael Flynn in a crisis is what what is concerning. His record in a crisis is not good. Are fans more forgiving than Michael Flynn is at the moment of, of, the, of the side? Is it worrying that Town have lost four in a row in League Two, looking pretty desperate at times, but as a fan base, it feels like everything is business as usual. Is this apathy? Privately, I use the term accepting mediocrity, and I don't think that's universal, but I do read comments and fear that that might be the case for some, especially when it's in terms of that defense of the ownership. Like, look around you. It, it Ultimately, fans are voting with their feet. We are down 1,200 from a month ago, which is going to be way worse for the ownership than congregating behind the articles and having a sing song can ever be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if we're helped a bit this year by the fact that our wins have more come at home than they have done in previous years. Um, so there's a, maybe a bit of a better taste in the mouth, but uh, we've we've spoken about it before when we, like, especially last season, where I think we were all expecting the crowds to start to dip, and they never really did, despite the fact that we were underperforming versus expectation. Um, but that's a that's a big de- decrease in in fans over a quite a short period of time. And if that's that's if that's the reported number, then I can only assume then the bums on seats number would be even lower. Um, so yeah, maybe that's it, that might start to bite soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good point about the fact that when we have been good, it's been at home, and and that changes a lot. But it it has been a significant dip in, and yet we were probably the loudest we've been. Yeah. For for many many weeks, which is which is encouraging. We, we are behind the behind in the grounds. The fans are behind the players, a hundred percent. And and I know I am. 
<laughs> well, I don't want to be talking about losses all season long. It's it's really tough at the moment. And like I said at the top of the pod, this rough with the smooth, you know, I, I, I look back and I listen to a bit from that and we were highlighting the issues, but we were just so drunk in the fact that we were scoring more. We knew that this would be an issue. The, the listeners' contributions knew that this was going to be an issue. But we just were like, well, you know, we're winning. So let the good times roll and let's hope we can keep going. And it, it stopped quite abruptly. Yeah, you <laughs> can say, say that again. Um, <laughs> it's, it, I guess it raises the question of how sustainable that start of the year was. I mean, it goes back to the, what I was saying about the XG earlier. We've our, our goals for and goals against in XG, for whatever you take that metric to mean to you, is, is the same. But we've got a positive goal difference. Um, so we're over. We're, we're outperforming on the goals front. Um, is that is that necessarily sustainable? Is that is that an indication of a side that is going great guns on creating chances, or is that a side who is relying on a few key players to be extra clinical in scoring the chances that they create? And is that, are those are those few key players likely to be here <laughs> by the end of January? Possibly not. Um, yeah, because it's it's like you say. We, we, I remember the Crawley game; it was six 0 but it could have easily been about four all. It could have been that first half was absolutely crazy, wasn't it? It, it could have quite feasibly been a completely different result on another day, but it wasn't. And we got the six 0 win, and it was a great game and a great day, but we're not getting that anymore. And it, it, it's, it's so frustrating because it feels so preventable because we've seen it coming and it might not be the players. It might be the way it's set up. Michael Flynn is beginning to get a little bit more of a, why are you not getting much criticism? And the, the reality is it's because I think fans know there's, there's nothing that can be done on that, on that. He's, he's, he's signed up till 2026. There's just no way. Which has one set of, there's <laughs> one set of coaches leave gardening leave. <laughs> another another two begin. It's just not going to happen. No, I know. We yeah, we're stuck for better or worse. I think um, unless unless there's a change in ownership and and someone wants to bring in a new guy, but that's I think that's a separate um, discussion. And also, we're not saying Michael Flynn should be sacked. That's reactionary. It's yeah, it's yeah. not it's not what we're saying there. But that is what fans are, 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 are suggesting or implying when they do show their their criticism in a football ground. But that's simply not happened yet, and I hope it doesn't for the foreseeable that's for sure man of the match went to dan kemp with williams cocolo second i'm not arguing that no yeah i'd go to kemp i thought khan did had a good game he was involved in both goals he, i thought particularly the second goal i thought he he kept it going well um but yeah no kemp, kemp was the best player for us on the pitch there we go and and would you be willing to chip in to pay the fine for the exeter game if we can play all of our youth teams plus cocolo and ward and genesini yeah, why not? We get, get some out of it. I think they, the rest need to have a break. Yeah. <laughs> so do whatever you can. Yeah. Dave, thank you very much. No, thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon!
Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 